HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Chaba Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred. My organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Thank you. 
Welcome to HRN on Tour at the 2022 Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. I am Christine Sykes-Low, and today I am joined by Sheila Johnson. Sheila is the co-founder of BET, CEO of Salamander Hotels and Resorts, and we are here today because Sheila is helping host a, an event on the grounds of Aspen Meadows, the Juneteenth event, a very special and important day. She has a lot of um, great chefs coming here, a lot of people from the area. Tell me how your involvement, you know, started getting into this on Juneteenth. On Juneteenth, I just thought, um, this is really, full disclosure, it's my first time here at Aspen for the Food and Wine event. We have taken over as a management company, uh, taken over Aspen Metals and the Aspen Institute, where we're really going to bring this place alive um, you know, they've got great programming here and everything. But what we're, our side of it is, is really the hospitality. And we want to not turn it into luxury, but a really comfortable meeting place for great minds that come here. Um, I fell in love with the hospitality business a long time ago. What people don't know, I'm also a concert violinist, and I've learned I did, to play the cello I over did know COVID. That. You're a risk taker, too. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's really been, the arts have been the foundation of my life. And then getting into, you know, the media company, Black Entertainment Television, and then once that was sold, it's like, what is my next stage? My next stage, because I know I've traveled all over the world. I've stayed in really fine hotels and some that aren't so fine, but I've learned a lot over these years. And I'm like, what would make me happiest? And I love being around people. And I just thought, God, the hotel business would be great. So fortunately, I was able to purchase 340 acres in Middleburg, Virginia, and built from scratch a wonderful resort, which is now celebrating its fourth four-star award. That's amazing. Five-star award and our spa. So we're one of 30 hotels in the country with the double Forbes five-star and one of 63 in the world. So it's been a dream of mine. Um, I'm loving every minute of it. People say, why don't you take a vacation? I'm like, I'm on vacation every <laughs> this day. Is, this is vacation. This is it, yes. I did visit your uh, your resort in Middleburg, yes. and it is fantastic. I had a, a wonderful meal there, and um, the, the view is outstanding, yeah. um, and I'm sure the spa is outstanding as well. Yes, absolutely. So the name Salamander, I'm curious about it. This is a really interesting story because um, when I moved out into that area, I was going through a huge transition in my life, and a lot of women do go through this. It was a divorce, and I had to really reclaim my power and really make myself relevant again. I think I kind of disappeared over the years, um, you know, living behind another shadow. I I was the shadow, actually, (laughs) living behind a person, and I became the shadow. And it was just a matter of me, as my mother said, I want you to get your power back. And for some reason, as soon as I moved out there and was able to close one door and open a huge door, I was able to regroup and figure out what I really wanted to do. So I moved into this wonderful town, bought this uh, land, and started building this resort. And what people don't know, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was a 10-year battle. And believe it or not, I won the entitlement to build it by one vote. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Yes. And so it's, it's been a struggle. So back to the salamander name. Yes. 
Um, I bought this farm. It was really owned by Bill Ildesacker, but before that, Bruce Sunlin. Bill Ildesacker really never really lived on the farm, and I didn't like the name of the farm. And the myth is you should take the name with you, and I'm like, I don't want Cotswold. <laughs> so anyway, I found out the name was Salamander before, so I got to meet Bruce Sunlin, who later became governor of Rhode Island. And I'll make this story short. No, <laughs> I, I, I love every bit of it. Um, and he told me, oh, it was Salamander. I said, what does that mean? So he was a fighter pilot that got shot down over Nazi-occupied Belgium. His entire unit was captured into a PO, and put in a POW camp. He was able to escape. He rode bicycles all across Europe. He would dump them because they, they had license plates on the back where the Nazis could, you know, track them. So then anyway, he ended up in France. He escaped is, on a bicycle, basically. On a bicycle, and he would wow. drop them off and then pick up another one. Really steal them, you know, going yeah. across. Yeah. So then anyway, he ended up in Allied territory of France. And... Um, the U.S. found him, and they said, look, we've got to go back, and we have to get your, your unit, you know, out of there. And so anyway, he says, well, how are we going to do that? He said, well, we're going to give you this code name, and it's Salamander. And um, it means, mythically, that it's the only animal that can walk through fire and still come out alive. And if you, but realistically, if you take off its limbs... They regenerate. Right. When he told me that story, I said, bam, that's me. Kind of gives you chills a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that is me. And in France, salamanders are, well, King Louis XIV had them all around his mouth. And they really love the salamander. This, what it stands for is for perseverance, courage, and fortitude. So the story kept getting bigger and better for me. So then there was a TV show. And it was called Hogan's Heroes. Yes. That's Hogan's the stories. Yeah. Yes. So Bruce Sunland <laughs> had the code name of Salamander, and he says, you can have it. So I hired this all-women law, uh, not law firm, what am I talking about, graphic design. Mm -hmm. And they, my Salamander is what they designed. We went through ma many reiterations of how I wanted it, but I wanted something that was forceful, but not the salamander losing its real image. Right. You know, that it's strong and powerful. Yeah, I mean, you, you could go almost cartoony in some way, but you yeah. have the, you know, no. the strong image of the silhouette of the salamander. Exactly. Yes. And my staff will wear the pins and, and guests will say, can I have that pen? We have given away, I think, over a thousand pens <laughs> because they love yeah. what it stands for and the way it looks. So, um, yeah. Well, that's I love that story. That's yeah. fantastic. So I've walked through a lot of fires. Yes, and you have. And moving on. Yes. Well, you're inspirational. Um, I'm really honored to talk to you today. Um, you talk a lot about, um, you don't talk a lot about it. You walk the walk. You pay it forward. Mm -hmm. um, you have given, am I correct, 50 scholarships oh, yeah. to Harvard yeah. for people of color. Yes. And... Um, Tell me about what started that and maybe a few uh, folks that really you just yeah. are so happy where they've landed after everything. Well, I, I got um, introduced to the Kennedy School because I also do films. And I was doing one called The Other City, which is about the two cities of Washington, you know, just eight blocks from the White House. You have 
a very poor area of people that are struggling, you know, with addiction and everything. And I really wanted to showcase that to D.C., because we have two governments there, to see what's really going on there. So it's called The Other City. I've also uh, worked with Dr. Helene Gale and put together a film uh, with CARE. It was about three exceptional women who really turned around their communities. I could go on and on about that. But I love doing film work. I did The Butler. Um, I did Summer of Soul, which won an Oscar. Yes, and it did. And a Grammy. Yes, it did. Um, so that's been very exciting. And um, That actually premiered. Um, one of the premieres was in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, my friend founded that festival that it premiered at. So well, that, it was just fantastic. And I and in full disclosure, I forgot that I had even put money in this. <laughs> and Sundance called me and they said, Your film won. I said, What film are you talking about? <laughs> and so when they told me, and you know, it was Quest Love really did the film. It's just that I financially put money in it. You believed in it though. I believed in it. John yeah. Legend had approached me to do it. Mm -hmm. So I you know, that was very exciting. And um, what was the question? <laughs> I can I can go on and on I about like everything. This might be four different interviews because <laughs> I could keep talking to you forever. But um, it was about the Harvard graduate. Oh, and, anyway, so yeah. I'll get back to okay. that. So then the Kennedy School asked me to come up and talk about my film work, and we actually showed the films and so forth and so on, and about um, social impact. And there were more and more students showing up. And they said, so David Gergen came to me and he goes, we need you up here. We need you. I said, well, I don't, don't want to teach up here. And they said, no, but we need your impact here. So we came up with an idea of over five years, I put $5 million into this where I would get the best and the brightest from underserved communities. And we do 10 students a year. And they overlap. They went into two years, too. Okay. But I paid for everything, their health care, everything. So that all they had to do was focus on their studies. But what people don't know, you just don't write a check for that. I also had to hire three really important, I don't want to call them faculty, but really strong people that were there for them. I call them my safety net. Because these kids come with some problems, and they need support. They need... Well, it's a big step for anyone going into an academic um, institution for the first time on that level. Exactly. And add on the different layers. Right. right? And, you know, and I wanted to keep them in school. And so yeah. often they don't stay in school because of family pressures. And, you know, I had to teach them to learn how to set boundaries, but you're still there for your family, and the mm -hmm. family has to understand. You know, you didn't come all this way just to not make it. So, and they call me Mama J, and they're still in my life. I said, I'll be here for you forever. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Well, I also, um, I've done a little research on you, obviously. I uh, love the story you told. It was an interview, I think, for ABC News. And you were talking about you, you do hold, do you still hold a stake in three professional oh, teams? Oh, yes. I'm okay. vice president. Yeah. So, vice so. That story of being in that box where... Oh, the men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, owning teams is really a vanity play. And I got the opportunity to be able to, you know, they first approached me just for the women's team. 
And I looked at the financials, and I mean, it's no secret that women struggle. They don't get paid as much and so forth. And it's a business deal. And I'm saying, how can I strengthen this even more? And so I went to Ted Leonsis. I said, I don't want to just buy the women's team. I am capable of buying into the NBA team and the hockey. That way, any losses flow through. You know, I'm right. covered. Right. And we're going to work as a team of, of owners. And that's what's really important because I needed them to start believing in women's sports. So, um, but, you know, the WNBA team is, is my heart. Yes. And... Um, being up there in that owner's box with all those men, I can hear those deals going down. I just went, hold up. <laughs> what are you all talking about now? And they were talking about this tech company that um, was going to get started, and, it, and they were all excited that Michael Jordan had put money into it. I'm like, um, hello, yeah. I'm right here. Can I be a part of this? They said, well, it's closed. I said, no, you're going to open it back up. So I am an investor in it now. But it's just a case where we have to really listen and watch what's really going on out there. It's true. It's a man's world. Yes, and, it is. And um, it's not like they're going to say, you know, I really like you and I believe in you, you know. Um, you kind of got to get scrappy. That's just the you truth. Got, you do. <laughs> you do. To a point. But yeah. And until you get to a, 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 a level, you know, I look at Melanie Hobson. I just love watching her. You know, as chairman of Starbucks, and she's on J.P. Morgan's board. Now she is part owner of the Denver Broncos, which I think is just awesome. So I sent her, you know, congratulations and everything. I want to get to her level, you know, and I just think she's amazing. Well, I think you're. I think you're there. <laughs> I no, think you're. This, this, this woman really rocks it. I love. I love hearing people that I look up to who they look up to. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah. It's um. That's wonderful. Um. So we're here today at the Juneteenth event, um, and we're celebrating, really, I'm getting back to the programming and the culinary right. programming around Salamander. And um, at the Salamander Resort in Middleburg, you held the family reunion. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the past event and then how this is tying into this event today, right. Juneteenth. Um, now we're 157 years later celebrating. It's really starting to get recognition. Um, well, over the past two years, well, actually before COVID, I got to meet Kwame Amawachi. I was so impressed with his cuisine. And I went there for my birthday. My staff had taken me there. And I said, I've never tasted anything like this. And I was so excited about him. Um, and then COVID hit. And then I was reading the Washington Post that his restaurant had been shut down. I was angry. I was really angry. I knew we were in COVID, but don't take that away from him. Right. So I gave him a call and I said, look, I've got an idea. Why don't we start something on our own? We'll do it together. And I said, I would like to do a food and wine event. I know COVID is going on, but I'm sitting on 340 acres and we can make this you work. You can spread out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So we started out with 27 chefs of color, both men and women, and... Um, all from all over the country. All over the country, United Airlines, how was that? How was that curated? Did you have a specific hand, or did Kwame pick oh, you? Oh, Kwame. Okay. You, you think I know all those chefs? No, he knows them. That's yeah. that younger generation. I'm just there to support, you know? 
I can feel myself kind of moving to the side here, but this younger generation is what's going to execute and make things really work. And so I really gave him full support, and I said, you put the programming together. I said, you've done this before, and let's bring the top chefs in there. My job is to raise the money and get media in there. So um, I got a hold of Michelle Miller from CBS. She brought camera crew in. We were on CBS uh, Saturday morning. And it just evolved so beautifully. And the feeling of just everyone there. I mean, there were people crying. You know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, they're playing dominoes and bid whisk and everything. This was a real family reunion. And, I mean, people just loved it. I've never seen or felt anything like that in my life. And I said, well, we've got to do this every year. Everyone says, this isn't one shot. I said, no, we're going to do it again. So we're preparing for it. Now, we're up here in Aspen, and I knew Kwame was going to be up here. But we were. my company was awarded the contract to take over the management of Aspen Meadows and the Aspen Institute. And we'll be doing renovation and you know, just any teasers on what's in store? No, Not I yet. Can't give any okay. teasers yet. <laughs> I can just tell you the um, rooms, of the suites, the 90s suites are our first hand. And I mean, that's already on the books that that's we're going to awesome. be doing that. But it's more of really trying to put together an arrival process that's like they're coming into a living room. So you've got the best minds coming up here. They gather up here to solve the nation's problems. And I want them to come into a place, and I'm not going to use the word luxury, but comfortable luxury, where they feel at home, they're relaxed, like they're coming in their own home. Mm -hmm. And um, to really provide service that's top quality. And, And that's what I want. We're going to elevate it to a whole new level. And so we're very excited about this. And um, it's something that I've always wanted to do over the past 10 years, because I've come up here for events, and I'm like, gosh, we can do better. Mm -hmm. We can do better. And when the RFP came up, you know, when they were looking for a management company, I said, we're going for it. Not everybody was on board. They said, this is not a resort resort. I said, no. But, but we're, feel- we're, gonna re- we're going to meet people who would, we would never meet. And with all the outbuildings and all the different um, things on the campus, it just makes it absolutely... Exactly. Exactly. And so this different. is an opportunity of a lifetime, I think, for my company to be able to even elevate our brand to even another level in a different way. And on this day, Juneteenth, we're having an event here. And uh, Kwame is heading it, and we are going to have an amazing time celebrating the new innovations that you're going to have going on around yes, here. Yes, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate your time. No, I thank you. This was wonderful. Thanks for listening to HRN's coverage of the 2022 Food & Wine Classic in Aspen. You can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, HRN on Tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.